the seven Noahide laws. What should we make of them? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, friends, to The Line of Fire. This is Michael Brown. I want to let you know I don't go looking for controversy. I don't go looking for the latest thing to stir up. I I don't go looking for difficult, challenging waters to wade into. Instead, things come to me, and when I constantly get hit with something or see it happening or, or read about it or confront it with it, it gets my attention Then I begin to look at it more carefully and then sometimes receive a burden from the Lord to address it more deeply. Today's topic is based on a controversy that, to me, having followed this for decades, is a fairly new controversy, or at least it has sprung to light through the Internet and other means. And we're going to talk about it today. The so-called seven laws of Noah, the Noahide laws, are, are they good? Are they bad? Do they pose a threat for Christians? What do we to make of this? Here's the number to call, interact, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. All right, let me take you back to last Friday's broadcast. And friends, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you're going to find today's broadcast really fascinating. If you're aware of the subject, then all the more will you find it fascinating And for those who believe that I'm completely wrong and deceived on this, please listen with an open heart and mind. All we want is truth. I've got zero dog in this fight. I've got zero agenda here. I'm not a supporter of the Noahide laws. I'm a supporter of the gospel of Jesus. But let's take a look at this. Let's go back to a call from last Friday's broadcast. And here's what happened. Let's go to Karen in Florida. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Well, thank you, Dr. Brown. Um, I have a question on the seven Noahide laws. Um, And there's a a couple on YouTube. I think they're a Messianic couple who are uh, talking about the dangers of the Noahide laws and that uh, President Trump has endorsed uh, the Noahide laws. And if you read closely it could mean that Christians could possibly be beheaded. Yeah. And um, there, there are actual several sites right now that are really um, talking about this. So I, I really wanted to know what, you, what yeah. your opinion on all this. All right, so I answered by saying there's more truth to the idea that Santa Claus delivered presents to every child in America and that Elvis Presley and Michael Jackson are teaming up to do a concert than that Christians are going to be beheaded under this, I'm looking at our YouTube chat, and according to one gentleman, the guillotines are guillotines are already set. This is really going to happen. All right, now, first thing, uh, I I began as soon as this broadcast was posted on YouTube, I began to get comments from people, extremely ugly, extremely offensive, and then a number of them linking me to a site that was talking about this further, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But let me share with you. 
some of what started coming in in response to me answering that question in that way. And then I'll explain what the Noahide laws are and who the couple is that, that folks are referring to. I'm not blaming the couple on these comments here. Okay. These are independent people posting it. I'm not putting their names up because I'm just not going to embarrass them further. But, but how about this one? Wow. Dr. Brown, you are an absolute liar. You claim the Noahide laws are related to scripture. Acts 15. I always knew something was wrong about you. You always seem proud of your intellectual knowledge, calling yourself doctor, but you always also lack zeal, passion. We worship God through Lord Jesus Christ spiritually, not by God as spirit, not by knowledge as God as spirit. We keep faith in Lord Jesus Christ through our faith and walk with Jesus through his Holy Spirit. Why are you deceiving Christians? What is your truth? <laughs> this is crazy, a crazy post. Uh, first, as a lover of Jesus and as one whose, whose whole life is indebted to Jesus, the Messiah, and who believes in worshiping God of the Spirit, charis- a tongue-talking charismatic, okay? But is it, what's my, I'm, oh, I must, I must be part of this conspiracy. Hmm. All right, here's the next one. According to Rabbi Tovia Singer, Christianity is idolatry. Uh, by the way, as if he had clout in, in, in the Jewish world, or as, as if he had clout in terms of Jewish law being established. According to Rabbi Tovia Singer, Christianity's idolatry. Tovia Singer supports the Noahide laws. Again, so. He continues, the Noahide laws require death to all those who practice idolatry. This is supported by the Talmud. The Vatican supports the Noahide laws, and the United Nations supports the Noahide laws. President Donald Trump supports the Noahide laws. Where you stand, Dr. Round, for Jesus Christ or the harmless Noahide laws. Yeah. Uh, allow me to mock that comment. I've got a 47-plus-year track record of preaching Jesus and being rejected by my Jewish community for preaching Jesus and taking the gospel of Jesus to the nations and have never said or written a syllable in support of the Noahide Law saying, yeah, these should be enforced or we should look to, 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 to spread these around the world. And yet the moment I take issue with this latest, this, this latest claim that Christians are going to be beheaded under the Noahide laws, this is the, this is the type of irrational response we're getting. And this, just, this is a sampling, just a sampling. Okay, next. If you are such a Christian, why do you support the Noahide laws? You are not a Christian. You are a Talmudic, Talmudic Jew, just like any Pharisee that Jesus rebuked, wolf in sheep's clothing. So that should tell you right off the bat that something's wrong. When people respond with such utter irrationality, they're drinking some kind of Kool-Aid. When they can suddenly judge you and your walk with Jesus based on separating myth from fact about the Noahide laws, all right? You know something is wrong somewhere. All right, so who was the Messianic couple in question? It's a couple I only heard about literally within the last few weeks. They may have been around and doing a great work for many, many years. But I only found out about them, Stephen Hanna Ben Nun, in the last couple of weeks. I saw Steve had a book about Israel. I ordered it, haven't read it yet. And, and when I was answering the question, the last thing I was trying to do was attack them. And I didn't even know exactly who was being spoken of uh, at, at that point. Just this thing I've suddenly heard about Christians going to be beheaded under the Noahide laws. I said, what in the world? I've interacted with people who are supporters of the Noahide laws for decades. And we've, we've talked about these things and, and their perspective versus my perspective, et cetera, and what scholars say in the history of them. So this was, where's this coming from? Because I, I suddenly started hearing it. Where's it coming from? So folks sent me a link 
where Stephen Hanna immediately interacted. So apologies to Stephen Hanna. I have not watched all of it yet. I just saw two, I, I, I sped ahead to try to see where I was going to be interacted with, but I didn't have time to watch further. So there were, there were two spots. One was Hanna saying that my response was uneducated and immature. And then one from Steve holding up a book, The Divine Code, and saying, Dr. Brown, you need to see what's in this book. So, so Hanna, with, I'm sure you guys are really serious. You, that's New York, sorry. I'm, I'm sure you folks are really serious about this. And I'm not demeaning your, your zeal or seriousness about it. But uh, uh, perhaps the issue is not being uneducated and immature. And my response, perhaps the issue is being educated in this and having very different conclusions than you. Is that possible? And, and perhaps, perhaps, rather than being immature, I was passionate to confront something that I believe is very, very wrong. Just like you're passionate to put out what you believe is right. All right. So first question. And, and, and by the way, if you want to have me on your show to talk and want to come on my show, let's do it. Let's have a conversation. If we're all Jewish believers in Yeshua, then we're family. We have more that unites us than divides us. And let's find out if I think you're really wrong, if you think I'm really wrong, if you think I'm lacking knowledge, if I think you're misinformed. We may have an honest conversation about it because, after all, these are serious issues. No? So, so let's do it. I'm very accessible through the website. My folks will get an invitation to me, and we'll coordinate something. So there you have it. All right? No hostility, no animosity, no insult. And I don't hold you responsible for these crazy comments. I am saying that something's out there that's inspiring people to have these crazy comments. Here, here. Let, let, let's look at a couple of, of websites, all right? Here, I found a YouTube video uh, with this title about the Noahide laws. And the YouTube video says this, why you should be terrified of the Noahide laws, all right? The Noahide laws and why they should terrify you. Oh, and in the midst of it, it's got these false allegations about the Talmud, by the way. Murdering children is okay. Raping newborn babies is okay. This is part of of this libelous video. But notice it's the Noahide laws and why they should terrify you. Now, please understand this. Where the Talmud is misrepresented, I'll defend it because it has often led to attacks on Jews and even killing of Jews. But I am not a Talmudic Jew. I reject the authority of the Talmud. I reject the authority of the rabbinic community. Okay? To make that perfectly and totally clear. And Talmudic Jews have called me public enemy number one because of our effective work reaching Jewish people with the gospel of Jesus. I've got fine relations with very Orthodox Jews, religious Jews. We've interacted privately and publicly for many years in the midst of our debate and dialogue, but our differences are deep and profound. In the eyes of a traditional Jew, as a Jewish believer in Jesus, I am an idol worshiper, okay? In the eyes of a traditional Jew, I am an idol worshiper, and I'm guilty of deceiving and misleading other Jews. So let's be plain about the depth of differences here. But when the Talmud's misrepresented, I'm, I'm going to speak up and speak out to be clear. Uh, here's another website I found, the Shema Torah website. So a website apparently advocating for observance of, of, the, of the Torah by, by believers. And, and it has the same headline. Uh, the Noahide laws, seven laws of Noah, they should terrify you. Okay, so what are the seven laws of Noah? They, they are not derived directly from Scripture. They are derived from rabbinic exegesis of Genesis 2, God's command to Adam, and Genesis 9, God's command to Noah. They cannot be deduced directly from Scripture. 
uh, or let's just say the scriptures that are used do not directly support it. This is rabbinic exegesis, reading things into the text that are not there or finding a text to support a tradition. And, and there are laws against idolatry, cursing God, theft, adultery. There are laws against uh, uh, eating the flesh of, uh, of a living animal, laws against murder, and laws to establish courts of justice. Some of that, yeah, is there, like Genesis 9, 6 forbids murder. Some of that's there. Uh, others are derived by rabbinic exegesis, so read into the text. Now, how ancient are they? Uh, they go back at least to the book of Jubilees they're written about, which is at least 100 years before the time of Jesus. Some scholars think even earlier than that. So this idea that there were seven laws for the Gentile world to keep, the Jews had 613 commandments in their traditions, but Jews believe that all the world could be considered righteous if they kept these seven laws and recognize them as having divine origin. All right, we'll be right back. Just getting started. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Here's the number to call, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. So I began intersecting with the teaching about Noahide laws sometime after I was a believer. I never heard it, it growing up in, in my Jewish home. We weren't that religious, but, but never heard that. And then I began to interact with traditional Jews, and, and they said, look, Gentiles don't have to keep the law of Moses. They just need to keep these seven laws, and they are considered righteous if they do. Now, here's the big controversy today, all right? <clears throat> big controversy that's come up in some circles today is this. Is Christianity idolatry according to the seven laws of Moses? On Friday's broadcast, I said no excuse me, the seven laws of Noah. Uh, on, on Friday's broadcast, I said, no, it's not considered idolatry for a Gentile. It's considered idolatry for a Jew. Now, in point of fact, through Jewish history, there's been a lot of debate about that. Islam has been considered to be non-idolatrous, although obviously a, a traditional Jew would not accept the inspiration of the Quran, but would say if a Muslim lives by these seven basic principles— and they could be considered righteous in God's sight, but they're not guilty of idolatry. As for Christianity, there was a debate, is it idolatrous or not? And then you add in, through much of church history, there have been statues. For example, in a Catholic setting or a Greek Orthodox setting, there are statues or icons or things like that, which many Protestants view as idolatrous. But let's just put the statues away and say worship of Jesus as God, or saying that there is a mediator between God and man. Would that be idolatry? In, in many Jewish circles, the answer is absolutely yes, that would be idolatry. And in some ultra-Orthodox circles to this day, that would be claimed. But overall, the general consensus has shifted over the centuries. And most of the proponents of the seven Noahide laws that I've interacted with and read over the, over the years have said, no, that Christianity is not considered idolatry. And what's interesting is that some of the very people on the front lines of advocating for the so-called seven laws of Noah are working together with, so Jewish leaders working with Muslim and Christian leaders saying, hey, we can agree on these universal moral principles. 
because we all worship one God. We all speak against idolatry and we all stand against murder and theft and adultery and, and, and things like that. So uh, those are the circles that I've interacted with for many, many, many years, including people who passionately differ with me, who would tell me as a Jew, I'm guilty of idolatry, but say it's not idolatry for Gentiles. Yeah, I'm fully aware of, of the debate through the centuries. You want me to give all the sources? You want me to quote, you know, the, the Meiri or the Tosafot or the different, you, know, you want me to, to go through the different sources and the debate? I'm quite aware of it in the debate over the nature of Shituf, et cetera. So is there a mediator? Is there, is there a, a, a participation in the deity and, and that makes one idolatry? Oh, okay. I, I'm fully aware of all that. But I'm fully aware of the general conclusions that folks have come to, especially most advocating for the seven laws of Noah. Now, why did I say that Acts 15, the council of James, Jacob, uh, and, and the elders and the apostles, and Acts 15 to the Gentiles to abstain from a few things, that, that those may relate to the seven laws of Noah? Because many New Testament scholars believe that. Any, any standard commentary on Acts that you read, a major commentary, is going to consider that as one of the possibilities, that these were well-known, and they're just saying, yeah, we, we're affirming some of these, okay? That's, that's why I mentioned it. Some believe that. Others say, no, it's just derived from passages in Leviticus, and others say, no, it's derived from other things. There is a major scholarly debate about that. I'm simply referencing it on the air, all right? But here's why I am deeply skeptical and, and to the point of mocking the idea that the seven Noahide laws are going to be enforced worldwide and that people will be beheaded for not following. Now, look, they're being beheaded under Islam right now. Christians are being beheaded under Sharia right now. Uh, some, some colleagues on, on the Internet just in, met recently have done some exhaustive study about Islam, and exhaustive study about Noahide laws, and they're in a state of shock to say Noahide laws are not the issue. Sharia law is the issue. Islam is the issue. They're the ones beheading Christians and followers of Jesus. We may be beheaded for our faith. That may well happen. People have been martyred through the centuries. Paul was, had his head chopped off according to tradition. may happen to some of us. So be it. Let the Lord be glorified. Our lives belong to him. But, but here's, here's the point. Here's the point. The idea that somehow these will become universal, someone believing in some type of new world order that I don't obviously believe in, and that, let me take it a step further, and that the Sanhedrin, Jewish authorities, would now be able to carry these things out, whereas the only authority the Sanhedrin have would be within the land of Israel, particularly over Jews, but even if extended beyond that to Gentiles in the land of Israel, that's it. The idea that there would somehow be something that begins with rabbinic tradition that the whole world accepts with all the anti-Semitism in the world, with all the rejection of Judaism in the world, because remember, the, 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 the Noahide laws are derived by rabbinic exegesis, and to follow them rightly, you're supposed to affirm, you're supposed to affirm that, that the, the rabbis have given you the, the, the right information here, that you didn't just come up with this intellectually, but rather through them. I don't see any scenario where that's going to happen. I don't see any scenario where the whole world will accept these Jewish rulings or give this authority to Jewish leaders. I see no scenario. If you differ with me, Give me some credible information, some credible reasons why, and let's talk about it in a sane and civilized way. But that's why I answered with such passion on Friday. Look, the Congress recognized these back in 1991. Does it mean anything? No. There are tons of things Congress recognizes or the president recognizes or this group affirms that it's, it doesn't go beyond that. It doesn't go beyond that. So to this moment, 
I, I say I'm 100% incredulous of the idea that the seven Noahide laws, which are derived by rabbinic exegesis and tie in with rabbinic authority, are going to be universally enforced around the world and that Christians under those laws would be considered idolaters and will be beheaded. Now, is there a discussion among proponents of the Noahide laws as to whether Christianity is idolatrous? Yes, that discussion continues to this day, and some say yes and some say no. But the overwhelming consensus that I've seen over the years until now and what I shared with the caller on Friday is that no, Christianity is not considered idolatrous under the Noahide laws. But either way, I see no scenario where they lead the whole world, where they take over the whole world, and where the whole world is enforcing these under Jewish authority. No, I see no such possibility of that. But again, you feel you have evidence to the contrary, not, not, not based on, on internet myth. I'm not accusing anyone here. I'm just saying some of the folks posting, that's, that's all they have. All right, some of the crazy posts that I've read, that's all they have is internet myth and complete misunderstanding of Talmud and Jewish law, etc. Now, here's what's interesting. As, as soon as I saw the book held up, The Divine Code, that's a book I didn't have on the Nohad law. So I, I instantly downloaded it. I got it on Kindle, instantly downloaded it. What I found fascinating was I know one of the contributors to the book. So it's written by a, a, a Jewish scholar, legal scholar in Israel. And then he's put things together in, in what's called the order of like a Shulchan Aruch, which is a Jewish law code and breaks it down to this point, this point, this point, like that. What are the laws for this? What are the laws for that? So it's a translation, an authorized translation of the Hebrew into English. But what I found interesting is, is there are different introductions and sections in the book. And I know one of the gentlemen involved, Arthur Goldberg, because we've worked together on issues having to do with LGBT activism. So I, I texted him. I said, hey, are you same Arthur A. Goldberg that contributed to this book? He said, yeah, I am. He said, in fact, I've written on it. I feel it's an important way we can bring Jews, Christians, and Muslims together for moral causes, like you know, standing against redefining of marriage or things like that. And uh, I said, do you know that it's being taught now that under the, the Noahide laws, and I, I'm going to read you the text. I've got it right here on my phone, that, that according to the Noahide laws, Christians will be beheaded. He, he, he wrote back immediately. He said, that sounds crazy. Now, there's another, another and, and I'm going to cite his article in a little while. There's another gentleman, Rabbi Dr. Shimon Cowan, or Cohen in Australia, and he is one of the leading scholars of the Noahide Laws, and he also contributed to this book that I was encouraged to look at. He also contributed to it, and, and he has a, a whole movement, and I'll look at some of his stuff with you later. He has a whole movement working with Jewish leaders and Christian leaders and Muslim leaders to say we all affirm belief in one God only. We all denounce idolatry. We all denounce murder. We all denounce theft. We all denounce blasphemy. We all call for establishing courts of justice, etc. So let us unite together for moral causes and, 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 and work in a common way for ethics. Now, now listen, I, I don't have much hope that Jews, Christians, and Muslims are going to work together effectively. I, I want to reach Jews and Muslims with the gospel of Jesus. Yeah, if, if, if there was a famine in an area and we could work together to get food to the suffering, I'd do it. If we had to vote to stand for a righteous definition of marriage and have a coalition of atheists, Jews, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists that all agreed with, yeah, I'd, I'd vote together for that. If, if we could stand against the, the killing of the unborn by working together, I would do that. But in no way am I thinking that the change we want to see in society is going to come 
through a religious coalition. It's going to come through the gospel of Jesus. It's going to come in the power of the spirit. It's going to come through the word of God. It's going to come by Talmud Deen, disciples living as disciples and shining the light in dark places and serving the hurting and the poor and making Yeshua known by life or by death. That's how real change is going to come. But all that to say that two of the contributors to this very book that I was encouraged to get are, are saying that, number one, Christianity is not idolatry according to the Noahide laws, and number two, Christians, Muslims, and Jews should all work together for these laws because they're for the common good. So no, I'm not part of any such coalition. As I said, I'm a supporter of the gospel, not the Noahide laws. However, however, I'm just telling you that there's a whole lot more to the story than you are being told. We come back, we're going to dig in. I'm going to give you some actual quotes from major proponents of the Noahide laws and from respected rabbinic authorities. All right? We'll be right back. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, friends, to The Line of Fire. We're talking about the seven Noahide laws. There is a charge, a claim that has been circulating much more than I've ever heard in recent months and years. Certainly recent months is when I've been hearing it a lot that these laws, which are meant to be universal moral principles for the Gentile world, while the Jews have the Torah of Moses, the Gentile world just has these seven principles to live by, which were allegedly commanded to Adam and then expanded to Noah, hence the seven laws. And by the way, these, were th- these are things we would all affirm, that idolatry is wrong, that cursing God is wrong, that murder is wrong, that theft is wrong, that adultery is wrong, that courts of justice should be established, that a limb should not be eaten of a, of a living animal. These are all things that that we would affirm. However, our message to the world is that we bring the gospel and Jesus transforms and brings forgiveness. And yeah, we would expect people to live by these, but we don't push this. We push the gospel. The charge is, though, that under these laws, that Christianity will be viewed as idolatry, that these laws will become universal, and that Christians will be put to death based on these. That is a charge that I absolutely categorically reject. Now, I contacted a rabbi friend. We spar all the time because he is, he is a counter-missionary. He is working full-time to pull Jews away from Jesus. A major part of my calling is to introduce Jews, lead Jews to Jesus. So we've met many times and, and several times, I should say, and interacted many times. And we're, we're friendly, but we have our deep differences. So I said to him, because you are part of Chabad, this is a, an ultra-Orthodox Jewish sect that is the most active in spreading Jewish teachings around the world. And their leader, who died in 1994, their leader made it a mandate that as Jews go into the world, they should teach the world the seven laws of Noah. I said to him, so what's your take? Since you're active in this yourself, what's your understanding? You're part of a group that's maybe one of the major proponents of this. What's your understanding? Is Christianity considered idolatry because of this? Would Christians be subject to the death penalty if this was enforced? So he said, here, 
while I work on writing something together for you, um, he I actually tell you what, before I get to that, before I get to that, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you the source he recommended. Uh, let me go to an article by Rabbi Louis Jacobs. He was a conservative rabbi, one of the most respected Jewish scholars of the last generation. And the article is Idolatry, the Ultimate Betrayal of God by Rabbi Louis Jacobs. And he answers the question, are Christianity and Islam idolatrous religions? He says in the post-Talmudic period, so after 5th, 6th, 7th centuries, there was no longer any threat to Judaism from the pagan religions, and a certain relaxation was granted to some of the stricter rules against relations with idolaters. The discussion among the Jewish teachers then centered on whether Islam and Christianity, the two daughter religions of Judaism, as they were called, as they were called, and the new rivals to the Jewish religion were to be treated as idolatrous religions. He says, according to most authorities, Islam was seen as a purely monotheistic religion, but opinions differed with regard to Christianity. Eventually, the consensus emerged that while Christianity did not constitute idolatry for them, that is, a Gentile Christian did not offend against the Noahide laws, it did constitute idolatry for us. Many Jews suffered martyrdom rather than embrace the Christian faith. To worship the gods of the Far Eastern religions is, of course, held to be idolatrous by all Jewish authorities. So he says the consensus ultimately, and he's, as I said, one of the most respected Jewish scholars of the last generation. Check out Rabbi Louis Jacobs. But he said the ultimate consensus was that for Gentiles, it was not idolatrous to worship God as Trinity. All right? Now, I'm really not concerned with the Jewish view on this. I worship one God, one God only, period, end of subject. The whole world can call me an idolater. I'm going to love and praise Jesus. I'm going to worship God. That's not going to stop me. I'm not looking for the approval of the rabbinic community or the Muslim community or any community. I'm looking for the approval of God. And if, and if he honors my life and if I'm God-fearing and reverencing and worshiping him, that's the approval I want. And that's the blessing that I want. But I just want to point this out. This has been my understanding for many, many years, interacting with the Jewish community about many of these issues over the course of decades and studying some of the relevant literature. All right, now, here's the source. It's Wiki Noah. So this is a Noahide site that has been put together like Wikipedia to answer common questions about the Noahide laws. And, and here's what it says. So this is from Wiki Noah, Christianity and the Noahide laws. Within Judaism, it is a matter of debate whether all Christians should be considered Noahides. In other words, automatically, by being a true Christian, you would be considered a Noahide. While Christianity appears to conform to six of the seven Noahide laws, an informal comparison of the Nicene Creed and Noahide laws reveals that three major theological teachings may involve a violation of the Noahide prohibition against idolatry, equating Jesus with God, equating the Holy Spirit with God, Jesus is Savior in the proposed capacity as God. However, these theological issues do not fit the classic Jewish definition of idolatry. This has caused disagreement among rabbinic authorities on the question of the permissibility of Christianity for non-Jews. All, authority, all authorities forbid Christianity for Jews. Another consideration would be that even if Christians are considered at least partially observant Noahides, are they chasidei umos halam or chachmei umos halam, meaning are they the righteous of the nations of the earth or the wise of the nations of the earth? The former are considered to have a share in the world to come because they recognize Noahide laws being revealed through a Mosaic rabbinic tradition. The latter are not considered to have a share in the world to come because they follow Noahide law based on intellectual expediency. 
In summary, classic idolatry has been clearly defined by Jewish law. Christianity, however, has been defined as something less. The problem is defining how much less and for what purposes. So it now goes on to a discussion about Christian views of Noahide laws. And, and it says this, the major Christian bodies, for example, the Catholic Church, the Eastern Orthodox churches, and the Protestant churches believe the Ten Commandments to be binding on them and would regard the Noahide laws as essentially a subset of these, though the requirement to set up courts and the dietary regulation are not explicit in the Ten Commandments. Some critics of the Noahide laws contend that insisting upon a basic set of moral laws is contrary to religious pluralism. Some, believer, some Christians believe that their existence implies that Jews may set up a legal system that would effectively outlaw Christianity. This is a, a, Noah, a recognized Noahide website tackling that issue. Based on the out-of-context claims that the all Christians are idolaters and the punishment for idolatry is the death penalty and that the rabbis have absolute control and authority of Noahides, some Christian groups have generated a lot of noise against the Noahide communities. That's some of the the stuff I'm dealing with. That's some of the quote noise, choose his word there, that I'm dealing with, that Christians would be put to death under Noahide laws. Again, I categorically reject the notion that Jewish authorities will rule the world and carry these out and put Christians to death. All right. Is it possible that within the land of Israel, Jewish believers that, that there could be a restored Sanhedrin that would restore the death penalty, which they don't have now, that there'd be a restored Sanhedrin and that Jewish believers in Jesus could be put to death in Israel in the future as they were put to death in the first century? It could be. It could be. We, we understand the consequences of following Jesus. Certainly it's happening again in Islam. It's happening in, in other settings where Christians are being killed and slaughtered for the gospel. Could it happen in a Jewish setting again? Could be. Could be. Wouldn't surprise me. But right now there is no law or precedent for it. But that has nothing to do with the Christian world as a whole, nor does it have to do with things outside of Israel. All right, so <clears throat> the Jewish community responds by noting that Noahide law with its minimal threshold for morality law may be uh, this law may be compared to Catholic social teachings, especially natural law theory. So it's nothing to get worked up about. Second, Judaism makes laws and customs for its own members, like all faiths, and does not set up governments to force Jewish beliefs on non-Jews. In contrast, some non-Jewish faiths have carried out such actions and practice. In other words, Judaism is not going to set up a worldwide government and now enforce its rules on non-Jews. Next, this is not the rule according to the code of Jewish law. If Christians were idolaters in the full sense, it would be forbidden to do business with them on the days before and after Sunday, as well as any Christian holidays, as well as several other legal rulings would come into effect. This is not the case, however. Jewish law holds that Christianity is similar to idolatry, but not full idolatry, and may even be completely permitted for non-Jews. Next, Jewish scholars also note that Jews today no longer carry out the death penalty, even within the Jewish community. Jewish law in contemporary practice sees the death penalty as an indicator of the seriousness of an offense. Violators are not actually put to death. Most Jewish authorities believe that penalties are a detail of the Noahide laws, and the Noahide laws themselves must determine the details of their own laws for themselves. According to this school of thought, the Noahide laws offer mankind a set of absolute values and a framework for righteousness and justice, while the detailed laws that are currently on the books of the world, states and nations are presumptively valid. In other words, the goal is 
for the Noahide laws to set an overall moral agenda that we could all agree on. And then each individual state and country has their own laws and customs that they enforce. And then lastly, the rabbis have no control over Noahides, only the ability, the ability to interpret the Bible and give rulings in Jewish law. Even in theory, the rabbis cannot enforce their decisions on non-Jews anywhere outside the land of Israel. So once again, for all these reasons, and I've in, I have interacted in many different settings, and often in hostile settings, with the rabbinic community, the Orthodox community, the ultra-Orthodox community for 47 years. And based on my interaction, based on my understanding of the literature, and based on my understanding of the intent of those who support the Noahide laws, and based on my understanding of Talmud and Jewish law, this notion that Christians be beheaded under Noahide laws is utterly bogus. Yes, so I've, I've said it repeatedly, but I've said it for the benefit of those just tuning in and missing some of the discussion. So once more, in case you weren't here at the beginning, there are those online who have their own ministries, who've done their own research, who've worked hard on this, who are, from what I know, serious believers. They have websites and YouTube channels and things like that. And they passionately differ with what I'm saying. So I am 100% open. If, if you can represent your position well, I know some of you can, I'm sure, and, and some of you I, I don't know, all right? But if you can represent your position well, if you feel you've got the citations, the documentation, etc., then you're absolutely welcome to join me on the air and discuss this. And I mean, we'll set up a show. I'm not saying try to call and get through. Contact me through our website, askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org. It says contact. My team will be on the alert to look for that. Or if you'd like me and your setting, and we can figure out the time to do it, and you've got a bona fide setting with a bona fide following that we can speak to, let's discuss our differences, all right? Because one of us is terribly wrong, right? Dangerously wrong. Let's discuss it. We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us today on The Line of Fire. Hey, if you're watching on YouTube and you don't subscribe to our channel, do so immediately. Do so before you leave. We've got over 1,600 videos there, but normally five days a week, there is a live stream. Sometimes there's a live stream at night as well on our Jewish outreach show. And we just started in the last week doing exclusive YouTube chats where I just come on for 45 minutes or an hour. And all I do is answer your questions that are being posted on YouTube. And it's an exclusive. And when it's done, that's it. So make sure you subscribe this way. As soon as the video's up, we've got great videos on reaching out to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. We've got videos defending the authority of scripture. We've got videos of debates on various subjects. We've got uh, our daily radio show. We've got our Q and a shows. So a, a vast wealth of material there waiting for you. Make sure you subscribe and share with your friends. Okay. So uh, Arthur Goldberg I met Arthur a few years ago. He contacted me, and he is an Orthodox Jew, or modern Orthodox, you would say. And he has been working on the front lines of helping Jewish people with same-sex attraction and things like that. And 
was just kind of shocked at where the culture was going. Many years earlier, he had been involved in civil rights issues and just was shocked by the shift. So we got to know each other. I said, hey, you want to work with me on gay lesbian issues? Uh, you understand I'm a Messianic Jew. You know who I am? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I know exactly who you are. So, you know, we have strong differences over Jesus, but he's glad to visit a, a Christian meeting where Christian leaders are discussing uh, uh, LGBT activism, etc., and he'll be a voice and giving a Jewish perspective, but that, and he's written a book on that, etc. So he had an article on public discourse, publicdiscourse.com, September 23rd, 2018, Jewish, Christian, and Muslim theologians find common moral ground. And he notes three prominent theologians, one Jewish, one Christian, and one Muslim, have published a groundbreaking document that affirms the Noahide values as the foundation for all three religions. You say, oh, no, no, he's part of this cabal. He's part of this Jewish deception. They're trying to, trying to get people tricked to come in and believe this, and they're going to take over the whole world. No, no he's not. I know Arthur. That's not who he is. What you, what you see is what you, you get here. And, and he explains in the, the document that the, these three religions, so Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, all share be, belief. They are monotheistic faiths and hold to certain moral codes, okay? So what's, what's, he, what's he referring to? What's, what's the document that he's referring to? Well, it was put together by Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Dr. Shimon Cohen, or Cowan, don't know how to pronounce his last name, in Australia. And the document, 26 pages, and, and Dr. Cowan, Rabbi Cowan, has written uh, at least one major book on the Noahide laws. He's looked at as one of the leading scholars in the field, one of the leading Jewish scholars. It's called An Education in a Shared Ethic. An, edu an Education in a Shared Ethic. And, and in his executive summary, he says, the project undertaken in this report is an outline manual of the values shared by traditional Abrahamic faiths, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. It is the product of most research and consultation and was finally authorized by a committee of three religious and academic scholars in each of these faiths. Without any doubt, when members of these major faiths see that they share fundamental values deriving from a common monotheistic source, this builds their sense of unity and solidarity. For this reason, to help build a resiliently cohesive society, it is intended to disseminate this manual amongst the members of these three faith groups. And he goes on from there. So here is a major proponent of the Noahide laws, a recognized Jewish scholar in them, saying that Christianity, Islam, and Judaism are monotheistic faiths and sharing common the values of the Noahide laws. Now, let me say again, I am personally not a supporter of the Noahide law movement. I'm a supporter of preaching the gospel and we'll see moral and cultural transformation through the gospel. However, if a rabbi came to me, if a Muslim, now they wouldn't come to me because as a Jewish follower of Jesus, they'd consider me an, an idol worshiper. Okay, so let's put me out, all right? Let, let's say a, a, a rabbi came to a, a Protestant pastor friend of mine, an evangelical pastor, and said, Pastor, we, we believe that, that you are part of a monotheistic faith as are Jews and ours are Muslims. We know that as Christians, you want to win Jews and Muslims to Jesus. We believe that Judaism is, is our religion. You have your own. And Islam wants to proselytize everyone to Islam. We understand these fundamental differences, but we, we, we want to make a joint statement on morality. We see society going in a crazy direction, and, and we're trying to make a certain moral statement 
do you affirm these moral principles? Well, yeah. I mean, who, who would say no to them? Yeah, we, we affirm them. In that sense, we affirm them as being right. If, if that same one said, now we believe Christianity is idolatry, so of course you don't affirm that interpretation, but we reject idolatry. All right? You know, when I was talking to a, a Chabad rabbi a few months ago, we were in the same city and he came to visit me. And, and he said, look, you know, I, I just don't understand how you could say that you worship Jesus and you're not idolatrous. I said, because he's God. He made himself known in, in flesh, but he's God. Now, in Judaism, if God has flesh, then you made him into an idol. I'm saying he can, he can take on flesh. He can clothe himself in flesh. He can tabernacle among us. He did it several times in the Old Testament, you know, whether it was for an hour or for a minute or, or for a day. Why can't he do it for a month or for 33 years? He's God. Father sits enthroned in heaven. The son makes him known. The spirit works invisibly among us. Why not? Why not? Okay. So all that to say, all that to say, I have yet to see in my research and my looking at things, I have yet to see any possible path by which the entire world will embrace a, the Noahide laws, let's go a step further, and B, rabbinic authority over those laws, C, rabbinic interpretation of those laws, D, something that would then lead to world governments under Jewish guidance beheading Christians for violating the Noahide laws. Don't see it. Don't see it. Now, I know one rabbi, one rabbi that I do not trust at all, that I, I would gladly expose in terms of his error and his deception. And I have no question that he uses things like this in a fear-mongering way, all right? He, he uses charges like this in a fear-mongering way. And, and that's one thing. And, and that's, it's, all that is is hype. There's nothing behind it, no teeth to it. And I know misinterpretations of Jewish law and Talmudic law. You say, how do you know they're misinterpretations? Number one, I can study the text myself. I can study them in Hebrew and Aramaic and study the, the related commentaries. Yeah, I, I may need to do some of it slowly because it, it's tough sledding. But yeah, I, I can do that. I can study the sources myself. And secondly, I've studied some of these things with traditional Jews, and not in a setting where they're, they're pulling any punches. Here, for, for example, for example, a traditional Jew in fact, more than one has said to me, in the Messianic kingdom, the Jews will be serving God and the Gentiles will be serving Jews. That's what they believe. That the Jews will be the highly exalted nation and the other nations will, will come to honor and serve them and learn of the ways of the God of Israel. That they expect that to happen in the Messianic kingdom. Do they believe they have authority over Gentiles? No, no. Do they believe they can give legal rulings uh, telling Gentiles how to live? No. Is the, does the Talmud ever advocate that, that Jews are to dominate society and enforce Talmudic law on the world? No, no, a thousand times no. And, and I know this from the original sources, and I know this from studying with rabbis that will say, look, you, you, got, you can't just read this because the text itself, one rabbi says this, one says this, you got to read the commentaries. And then you can't just stop at the commentaries, then you need to look at the law codes. But then you need to look at the commentaries on the law codes, then you need to look at the response literature, where rabbis interact with the law codes and explain things further, all right? So it's, it's often very complex. And, and there are things I've looked at, it's like, hmm, is the Talmud actually saying this? Sometimes it is. Like, well, I totally reject that. I totally differ with that. 
Volume 5 of my series, Answering Jewish Objections to Jesus, the whole volume is devoted to differing with traditional Jews and differing with rabbinic authority and differing with rabbinic interpretation. When people say you're not a follower of Jesus, you're a Pharisaic Talmudic Jew. Okay, for a Talmudic Jew, that's not an insult to be a Pharisaic Talmudic Jew. That's a compliment, all right? Uh, to, to me, it's, it's, it's the most opposite possible thing that you could say, that I'm not a follower of Jesus, rather I'm a Talmudic Jew. <clears throat> that, that would be like saying that Billy Graham's not a follower of Jesus. He's actually a, a zealous Muslim. It, it would be that bizarre and that off. But I get that from people that are not basing themselves on truth, that are basing themselves on hysteria, that are basing themselves on internet myths, that are basing themselves on the latest anti-Semitic conspiracies. Now, there may be some folks out there that have seriously researched issues that don't believe all the crazy anti-Semitic lies that are trying to read rabbinic literature in a fair and righteous light and that feel that the Noahide laws are going to be some kind of a worldwide net to, to trap people under an antichrist regime or a new world order or something. And, and they feel they have evidence for it. Well, then let's, let's discuss the evidence. Everything I know Everything I've studied, everything I've learned, all, all those I've interact with, interacted with within the Noahide movement would say something very different. Now, there's a great tragedy. There are people who've abandoned Jesus and now say they're B'nai Noah, they, they are, they are Noahides. And I think, what a terrible loss. What an absolute loss. You forfeit your soul. You forfeit eternal life. You forfeit forgiveness of sins. You forfeit intimacy with God to be a Noahide. What a loss. That's why what I'm pushing is the gospel of Jesus. We'll be back tomorrow.